Okay, good evening everyone. Thank you for coming. Tonight's show is being sponsored by Mr. Sam Daniel, um, who has uh, sponsored graciously our Shurim a number of times already. And we are very grateful for him to, for sponsoring this uh, last supper before Pesach. <laughs> and um, on behalf of Hokila, we wish him and his whole Mishpacha much future success, much continued success. I'd be asked God Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so Mertz Hashem, Friday night, which is the first night of Pesach. We have many mitzvahs that we're going to be performing, many mitzvahs to Raisa. There are different counts of the mitzvahs. In fact, we have a tradition going back to the Vilna Gain that the night of Pesach we perform a total of 64 mitzvahs. If you add all the mitzvahs to Raisa, all the mitzvahs to Rabbanon, all the Minhagim, all the various good practices that we're able to, we have the opportunity to perform the night of Pesach. We have 64 mitzvahs. The Chassam Sofer writes something that is absolutely astounding. In Choshen Mishpat, the Shalas Tshuva's Chassam Sofer, Chassam Sofer writes, he's, he's discussing a certain city in Italy called Triasta. And on the one hand, the Chassam Sofer compliments the way that city, is, the way that city operates, how there are very big Bali Chasodim and Bali Tzedakah. Nevertheless, the Chassam Sofer has a certain critique of the way they bake their matzos. And that is, the ones who are baking the matzos in the city of Triasta are Ne'arim, they're people who are unlearned, people who are not familiar with the halachos of matzah. And the Chassam Sofer has very sharp words against this practice. He says, first of all, he quotes from the Arizal. And the Arizal tells us, that anyone who is careful not to eat even a mashahu of chametz, anyone who is careful not to eat even one iota of chametz at night of Pesach, will not sin the entire year. That's what the Chassam Sofer writes. He doesn't tell you where he gets it from, but it's well known. This was the statement of the Arizal. The Arizal teaches us, anyone who is careful even from a mashahu of chametz, even from the smallest iota of chametz, will not sin the entire year. Says the, Chaf- the Chassam Soifer, if you look on the underlined part of number one, Mitzvah asay shalachilas matzah mishumeras. The positive command of eating shmura matzah, Belel Pesach, the night of Pesach, he yechida nesheres lanu, is the only mitzvah that remains for us, mikol mitzvos achila shebechol Torah. From all the mitzvahs of eating in the whole Torah. In other words, if one would go through the 248 positive commandments of the Torah, many of the positive commandments involve eating. There is only one mitzvah that involves eating that still applies today, and that is eating matzah. Ein lanu Pesach, we no longer have the carbon Pesach. V'loi kachim, we no longer have a mitzvah to eat karbanos, right? In the time that the Beis there stood, there was a mitzvah, the oraisa, to partake of kachim, a carbon shlamim, sometimes even a other karbanas and karban chatas. Nevertheless, we have no carbon pesach today. We have no kachim today. Lo truma, even kohanim are no longer able to eat truma. Velo meiser sheni, we're not able to bring up meiser sheni to shalim and in yushalayim. We only have one mitzvah that is relevant, that is connected to eating. Rak, mitzvah, achas, mishana, loshana. We only have one mitzvah the entire year that involves eating. And it's only once the whole year. And if we blow that one, 
And not only if we miss it, but all the more so if chas v'shalom, the matzah is not baked properly, and instead of it being matzah, it's actually chametz. Just imagine what a lost opportunity, what a terrible sin it is. Right, so, okay, good question. Very good, Josh. So again, what the Chsam Soifer says is that of all the mitzvahs in the entire Torah, we only have one mitzvah today that, is, that involves eating, and that is achilas matzah. There's no mitzvah achilas kachim, there's no mitzvah of eating truma, there's no mitzvah of eating maizr sheni, there's only one mitzvah that involves eating, and that's matzah. So you've you got to take advantage of it. So the problem with the words of Chassam Sofer are that there are many mitzvahs that do involve eating other than matzah. For instance, Josh asked, according to many opinions, there is a mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur. According to certain Rishonim, there is a mitzvah to eat on Shabbos. I would ask, and th- these questions are raised by Rav Shimshon Pincus in his Sefer, Sichos, Rav Shimshon David Pincus, Zechot Sa'ak Levracha. And he asked, what's the Chassam Sofer talking about? How could the Chassam Sofer tell us we only have one mitzvah today that involves eating? Matzah, it's not true. He asked, what about eating Arav Yom Kippur? He asked, what about eating Kachim? And I would ask, we have a mitzvah saseh d'oraisa, according to everyone, to eat a kezayis in the sukkah, the night of sukkahs. So what does the Chassam Sofer mean? We have one mitzvah that remains today to eat matzah. It's not true. We have many mitzvahs. Eating on Shabbos, eating Erev Yom Kippur, eating in the sukkah. So what's so special about eating matzah? Okay. We have an amazing Gemara, the Gemara in Gittin. Okay? The Gemara in Gittin says that while the man has to be the authority figure in the house, you know, maybe we should turn off the tape. It doesn't, it doesn't, we don't have two, two captains, right? If you have two captains uh, guiding the ship, the ship's going to drown. There's a captain and there's a first mate. And the Gemara feels the man is the authority figure in the house. However, says the Gemara, don't impose ema yesera, don't impose excessive fear in the home. Why? Says the Gemara, you know what's going to happen if you impose too much fear in the home? If your supper is not ready on time and you're going to carry on how, you know, you're, you're home already for three seconds and the supper's not on the table, you better watch out because there was somebody by the name of Rabbi Chanina ben Gamliel who imposed excessive fear on the home. And one time, you know, his wife was preparing the supper and something happened to the chicken. It became a trefa. Or actually what the Gemara says is it was Eber Menachai. She didn't have time to shecht. She just took off a piece from the living chicken. She threw it in the pot. It was Eber Menachai. And she fed it to him because she knew what was going to happen if 7.30 came and the supper wasn't ready. Who's okay? liable, Rabbi? What? Who's liable? Is she liable? No, the husband's she liable. liable. Well, see. She's liable. She better made so the Gemara says a person should not impose excessive fear on the household because it's going to lead to no good. Okay. And what happened? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Chanina ben Gamliel, his wife fed him Eber Menach. Ask the Gemara the following question. What? Rabbi Chanina ben Gamliel ate Eber Menachai? But there's a famous principle in Shas that God does not even let the animals of Tzadikim sin. We know the donkey of Rapinchas ben Yoyer. God protected the donkey of Rapinchas ben Yoyer that the donkey should not eat anything forbidden. So if God even protects the animals of Tzadik, certainly the Tzadik himself, Hashem, would not allow the Tzadik to eat treif. So how could the Gemara tell us 
that Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel was force-fed Aver Menachai, but we have a principle, God protects even the animals of Sadiqim. so certainly God protects the Sadiqim themselves, answers the Gemara. His wife didn't feed it to him, she tried to, but he didn't end up eating it. Okay, but this is the principle. The principle is, God protects even the animals of Sadiqim, certainly the Sadiqim themselves. Did she survive? What? <laughs> okay. Says Rabbi Tam, what does this mean that God protects the Sadiqim from sin? Look throughout the pages of Shas, we find many examples, many illustrations of Amoraim, of, of great sages, who sinned. Right? The Gemara Masech the Shabbos tells us that on Friday night one is not allowed to learn by the candlelight. You may tilt the candle to allow you to see better. There was a man by the name of Rabbi Shmuel who said, I will read by the candlelight and I will make sure that I don't tilt the candle. What happened? He learned by the candlelight and he was overcome with the need to tilt the candle and he tilted the candle and he sinned. Ask Tosis, what do you mean? I thought God protects Tzadikim so they don't sin. Or another example is in the Gemara and Chagiga, the Gemara tells us how Rabbi Hudim and Tabai killed and aid Zoymeim wrongfully. There was a, a witness who Rabbi Yudah ben Tabai cross-examined. He felt that this witness was an aid Zoymeim, and he killed this, this witness unrightfully. So how could the Gemara tell us that God protects the tzaddikim and He doesn't allow them to sin? We find numerous examples of tzaddikim sinning. Says Tysus, this rule that God protects the tzaddikim is only God protects the tzaddikim from sinning with food. But God does not protect tzaddikim that they don't sin in general. A tzaddik, he may slip up and speak lashon hara. He may slip up and eat on your, and um, he may slip up and swear falsely. He may slip up and wear shotness. But to eat something problematic, something questionable, that's where the Gemara's havtacha applies. God will not allow a tzaddik to stumble when it comes to food. You hear that? In other words. You know, if something, if somebody in a butcher shop is uh, messing around, you know, is not being, uh, not following the halacha, God will make sure that tzaddikim don't eat that food. That's what the Gemara is telling us. God, someone who's really a tzaddik, God will protect them from forbidden food. Not from other sins. From chilo Shabbos, no. From killing, no. Even from the worst sins, God will not protect the tzaddikim. Only from food. So now Tysus has a question. And the question is, we find in the Gemara Mpsachim that Rabbi Yirmiya bar forgot and he ate before Havdalah. Right? We know you're not allowed to eat before Havdalah. Right. According to the Arizal, you don't even drink water. But Meikar Hadin, you're allowed to drink water, but you're not allowed to eat. Right? You're not allowed to eat or drink anything other than water before Havdalah. That's a halacha. Rabbi Yirmiya bar forgot and he accidentally ate before Havdalah. How could that be? I thought Hashem protects Tzadikim from eating something forbidden. Or, Tosas asks a question. The Gemara tells us in Masech Rosh Hashanah how certain Tzadikim forgot and ate on a fast day. Ask Tosas, what do you mean? I thought God protects Tzadikim from eating improperly. Says Tosas. <clears throat> now Tosas has to qualify. He has to split hairs. What does Tosas say? When does God protect Sadiqim from eating something improper? That's where the food itself is a davar tameh, where the food itself is inherently problematic. Something treif, something not kosher, yayin nesach, bishol akum, right? 
Stam Yenam. When does God protect Sadiqim? God will only protect Sadiqim not from eating any time something improperly, from eating food that inherently has a problem with it. But God will not protect a tzaddik from eating kosher food at the wrong time. God will not protect the tzaddik from eating kosher food before Havdalah, from eating kosher food on Yom Kippur. Okay? So that's what Tosa says. When, means I shouldn't want to protect the Jewish people, tzaddikim, to not eat taref too? Yeah. Not the Jewish people, tzaddikim. Tzaddikim. In other words, what, we, what Tosis is learning, that the Gemara's guarantee that God will not bring takala, stumbling back to a tzaddik, God will only make sure a tzaddik does not eat something inherently problematic. But to eat something that is okay, that has a good hechsher, at the wrong time, God will not protect the tzaddik. In other words, it's possible that a tzaddik will forget that it's Yom Kippur and he may eat. How many tzaddikim we have now? I don't know. I can't answer that question. We have? Definitely. We have, every generation has tzaddikim. Uh, what about the generation of, uh, of Purim in Shushan? Did anybody stay away from the Suda or they didn't have tzaddikim like that? No, we don't find that Akhashur served anything trace. Uh, Everything was kashur and the Mahadran. Maybe not. We don't find that as Yain Nesach. You may have, uh, Mordechai, the Gemara tells us, was the butler. Maybe the reason why is to avoid that problem. Or maybe it was Mavushal. We don't find that uh, even the Gemara says that Esther was fed, Kidli the Chaziri, the Gemara says, she was fed fatty bacon hogs. Taisus says, Chas v'sham, she never ate them. That's what she was fed, but she didn't eat it. Okay? So that's what the Gemara, that's what Tosus is saying. Taisus is establishing the following rule. The Gemara tells us God does not allow tzaddikim to stumble. Taisus says only in regarding to food. And then Toysus further clarifies it. Only food that is inherently problematic, but not food that is inherently okay at the wrong time. <coughs> so we have to understand, what is Toysus saying? Why would God only protect Sadiqim from eating tray food, but He wouldn't protect the Tzaddik from eating on Yom Kippur? I mean, which is, which is worse? Which is a worse sin? To eat treif or to eat on Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur. If you eat on Yom Kippur, you have kares, right? You're liable to the death penalty. If you eat treif, there's no, there's no death penalty. So what's Tosa saying? God will only protect Sadiqim from eating something inherently problematic, but not eating food which is kosher at the wrong time? I mean, in brisk, they would say the difference, if you would want to uh, define the difference between eating something inherently problematic and eating something that is okay at the wrong time, it, one is what we call Isser Gavra, one is Isser Chetza. Something which is treif, the problem is with the item itself. And that's where Tosfa says God will protect the tzaddikim. As opposed to eating on Yom Kippur, there's no Isser on the Chetza, there's no Isser on the item. It's merely a superimposed prohibition where you can eat that. But that item is not inherently flawed. And that's what we have to understand. But what's the difference? Why will God only protect the tzaddik from eating something inherently problematic and not eating something which is okay at the wrong time? We come to the Mesila Sisharim. And the Mesila Sisharim tells us something very important. By the way, I mentioned many times that Rabbi Chaim Velazhina writes, Kal Hasfarim Kaidesh, all works of Musar are holy, Mesilas Yisharim Kaidesh Kadashim. Right? If you're stranded on a desert island with only, only one book, you could make a case that if you had one book to select, 
You could make a strong case for the Masilasashan. Okay. Tells says the Masilasashan. We have a principle. The Torah tells us in this week's Pasha, Pasha Shmini, which we're gonna learn after Pesach Hashem, it says, Loisi Tamu Bahem, don't be defiled by eating forbidden food. Vinit Mesembam. Says the Gemara, don't read it, Vinit Mesem, you will become defiled. Ella Vinitamtem. It will clog you up. Right? You know, if you have too many French fries, right? What's gonna happen to the arteries? It clogs it. Fashed up. Right? It, it clogs it up. So too, if you eat, if you sin, when a person sins, any sin, whether it's Lashon Hara, whether it's Shatness, whether it's eating tray food, whether, whatever the sin may be, it clogs up the spiritual heart. What does that mean, it clogs up the heart? God gave a person a certain capacity to understand Hashem. Hashem gave us the ability to, under, to see Hashem in this world, to understand Hashem in this world, to understand the truths of the Torah. By sinning, you're clouding your vision. You're clouding your perception. Maybe you're not going to understand the truths of this world. You're not going to understand the truth of what life is all about. That's what it means that sin clogs up the heart. Says the Mesosasham, while all sin clogs up the mind and clogs up the neshama, there is one sin that clogs up the neshama and the mind more than any other sin. What is it? Forbidden food. Why? Why? What's the difference? Why? Even more than desecrating Shabbos? We know if somebody desecrates Shabbos, they're chayv skila. If somebody eats a piece of pig, they're not chayv misa. So why are we saying that by eating forbidden food, it clogs up the mind more than any other sin? Says the Mesosisharim. Because when you eat forbidden food, you ingest it into your body. You ingest it, you then digest it, and you recompose the food, and the food becomes you. So you are now made out of a davar tameh. Your body, your nefesh, your ramach evarim, your entire entity consists and has been created from a davar tameh. So while it is true that the devastation that you cause to yourself when you desecrate Shabbos is great, and in a way it's much greater than eating forbidden food, but there's a certain element of eating forbidden food that no sin can compare to. Yeah, because when you sin in action, if someone desecrates the Shabbos, it's outside. it's outside, it's external, it's something you do. But when you eat something, treif, you eat bishol, even something drabanan, bishol akam, yayinesach. By the way, talking about yayinesach, you have to be very careful the night of Pesach, <clears throat> the halacha is that someone who is not Shomer Shabbos, who picks up a bottle of wine, and the wine is not Mevushal, it becomes Yayin Nesa. So you have to be very careful. If you're going to have at the Seder people who are not keeping Shabbos, get your own bottle of wine. Don't let any, anyone touch it. Or use Yayin Mevushal, cooked wine. Okay? But otherwise, the wine becomes Yayin Nesach. And uh, we could discuss some of the specifics of it. But it's very important. Yayin Esach is, uh, is an Isser. Okay. So by eating forbidden foods... Now, by the way, I'm just going to give a certain uh, idea that I want to throw out. And that is, when we hear this type of idea, if, you know, sometimes people may have in the past done things or eaten things without being educated as to the proper halacha of what can be eaten and what cannot be eaten. The purpose of learning about this is not for a person to feel guilty about things that they may have done because 
Chsam Sofer writes, there's always tshuva. If a person ate something that was uh, Dover Asr, Chsam Sofer says, you could do tshuva. Chsam Sofer even writes, if a person does tshuva me'ava out of love of Hashem, so the uh, Dover Tameh that a person may have eaten is transformed into a zuchus, into a mitzvah. Says the Chsam Sofer, even today it's possible to eat the carbon Pesach. How? If a person ate a Dover Tameh, and then they do tshuva me'ava, which zuchus does it turn into? It's like Achilas Karban Pesach. It's on surface. Okay? Okay. But that's just a side point. Pardon me. You yeah. made someone eat Taref. Yeah. He do Teshuvah. Of course. Hashem going to forgive him? Yeah. Not only forgive him, but it will be turned into a mitzvah. You do Tshuva Me'ava, it's turned into a mitzvah. Yeah, because you fought that sin. It's like you really sacrificed your, your will. Yeah. You actually resist that Tshuva uh, Tshuva works on anything. And all the, the ramifications that we're saying could be reversed. Right? Oh. Tshuva could reverse anything. Okay, but that's not the point. So Mesut Sharma is telling us that while all sin clogs the mind and clogs the neshama and clogs the heart, no sin can compare in, in terms of its ability to defile and corrupt the entire entity of a person than forbidden foods. Okay, says uh, Mesut Sharma. Look at the words he says. V'hamachalos, the underlined part. Ho'asuros, yeseros, al-kalho'isurim. Forbidden food surpasses all sin in its ability to affect the heart of a person. Why? Because they enter the body. Mamash. In reality. They become part of your flesh. In other words, you could look at someone who has ingested a Dabar Tameh. It's not just he sinned. His entire entity has been recreated from the Dabar Tameh. Says the Sasharam, the way a Jew should envision forbidden foods is that a person should consider it like poison. For instance, let's say a person, he's not sure, is this a good hechsher, is this not a good hechsher, is this kosher, is this not kosher? You should judge based on the following criteria. If somebody would bring you a meal and they would say, you know what? It's probably not poison. You know? There's a small chance, there's 15% chance that there's arsenic in it. So would you eat it? No. no. What if somebody went to the restaurant and they said, in one of the thousand meals that we're, we serve tonight, we're not sure, we're sure which meal it is, if you eat it, you're going to drop dead. But it's probably not this one. Anyone eating it? No. No. Says Masil Susharim, if anyone has any doubt at all about the, the kashrus of something, the criteria that should be the barometer is, what if the possibility of it not being kosher was it being poison. Says Mosul Yisharim, Af Isr HaMaychol Kfar Be'yarnu Shuhu Eres Mamosh Lelev It is poison to the heart V'nefesh HaYisraeli Okay? So what we're learning is while eating on Yom Kippur or desecrating Shabbos or murder is in a way a lot worse than eating forbidden foods but in its capacity to change the nature of a Jew Nothing can compare to the ingestion of forbidden food. Based on the Masil Sisharm, I think the words of Tosfis are very obvious. Why would God protect the tzaddik from eating a forbidden food and not protect the tzaddik from eating on Yom Kippur? It's obvious. If a tzaddik eats on Yom Kippur, there's nothing wrong with what he's ingesting. There's nothing wrong about the piece of herring he's eating. It's just he's not to eat it now. So the tzaddik eats it, it goes into his system. He, his body now, the herring has turned into the tzaddik. It's not a problem. It's an avera, but, but it's not corrupting the makeup of the tzaddik. 
But if the tzaddik thought he was eating something from Carlos and Gabby's, and it turned out to be McDonald's, so this, you know, this um, egg and cheese, this uh, ham sandwich, is now turning into the tzaddik, right? It's becoming his heart, it's becoming his busser, it's becoming his limbs. That has the ability to corrupt the tzaddik more than anything else. And that probably is what Tosis means, why God will protect the tzaddik from eating something inherently forbidden, and not eating something which is inherently permissible at the wrong time. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, okay, I think that's pretty logical. Okay, so what we're learning is, that something that is inherently forbidden, has a certain capacity to completely change the makeup of a person. But how should Shula on a physical level will change the makeup of the person whoever, whoever is prayed? How does it do it? Yeah. This is a... Uh, we don't understand how Shula works, right? Like the Medr says, you know, um, they ask Nevi'im, what should a person do if he sins? He should die. They ask the Torah, what should he do? Bring a carbon. They asked... Chachma, what should be done? That's the end of him. Only they asked Hashem, Hashem said do tshuva. That means not the Nevi'im, not the Chachamim, not even the Chumash itself can understand the concept of tshuva. Only Hashem understands how it works. We don't know. We don't know how exactly how it works. Mesil Hashem offers a rationale for it, but uh, it works. Tshuva works. Okay. Okay, so one more time. When Tosa says that God protects the tzaddikim only from forbidden food, the understanding is because forbidden food is ingested by the person, it becomes part of his makeup, it changes the character, as opposed to eating permissible food at the wrong time. I believe now we can understand what the Chsam Sofer means. Chsam Sofer says that nowadays there's only one mitzvah that we have that involves eating. Eating matzah. What the Chsam Sofer means? What about eating on Erev Yom Kippur? What about eating in the sukkah? What about eating on Shabbos? The answer is, eating in the sukkah? What are you eating? The piece of challah? There's nothing intrinsically holy about eating the, about this piece of challah. It's a regular piece of bread. It's just that there's a mitzvah to eat this challah in the sukkah. So the item that you are ingesting while it's a mitzvah, has no intrinsic holiness, has no intrinsic mitzvah quality. You are performing a mitzvah. There's no difference between eating in the sukkah and doing any other mitzvah in terms of what is entering your system. There's no difference, let's say eating on Erev Yom Kippur. What are you eating? You're eating uh, whatever it is. You're eating your soup, you're eating your gefilte fish, you're eating your chicken. Each item of food that you're eating, shh, each item of food that you're eating, there has no intrinsic mitzvah value. It's just it happens to be that there's a superimposed mitzvah that one should eat at this time. Or to eat on Shabbos. Nothing holy about this challah as opposed to a different challah. It's just that when Shabbos comes, it's a time to eat. However, matzah, it is an item that God has selected that this is something that we need to ingest in our bodies. Which means... The same way, when a person eats forbidden food, no sin can compare to the way this forbidden food enters his system, and corrupts his system, and becomes part of him, and changes his whole makeup. The same thing when it comes to matzah. We have no mitzvah in the Torah, where not only are we performing the mitzvah, we're doing the mitzvah, but we actually ingest the matzah. 
and the matzah enters our system and it turns into who we are. It completely sanctifies and uplifts and elevates our makeup because this is an item that God has specifically commanded. This item needs to be in us. The same way that God protects the tzaddik not to eat something that is intrinsically forbidden because that's something that can completely change his makeup. The Chassam Sofer writes, Today, nowadays, we have only one mitzvah, one time a year, to actually ingest a chavtza shel mitzvah, right? You put on tefillin, you just, you're wrapping it around your arm. You put on your talis, you're wrapping, wrapping it over you. Matzah is the only mitzvah we do where it actually enters our body, we ingest, we digest, and then it recomposes and to make us up who we are. According to most, we've shown him only the first night. The Vilna Gaon actually writes that every kezayis of matzah you eat on Pesach is another mitzvah saseh daraisa, but that's, that's a machlokah. I mean, just the, I mean, building yourself up. So according to the Vilna Gaon, it would be the whole Pesach, and according to others, it would only be the first night. Yeah? Two questions. The first question is, why don't we say that when, let's say, a person eats a morsel of food out of the sukkah, that that's the equivalent of tarvus? Because there's nothing inherently problematic with the food that you're eating. Yeah, the, the food that you're eating is eating out of the sukkah. No, the food you're eating, has, there's nothing problematic with it. It's where you're eating it, but there's nothing inherently problematic with the actual food. It says eating the food in the sukkah. If you eat the food out of the sukkah, it's take the food. No, no, there it's just, there it's a question of location. It's fine. (laughs) There's nothing inherently problematic with that food, no. No, No, the food's not tainted. You're tainted for eating that. And the food's tainted. No, no. If you don't make a bracha, it's not an issue. If you don't make a bracha, you have a food bowl. No, no. It's like, no. Yeah. So when you eat, it's like eating before havdalah. Like Tosa said, Hashem won't protect the tzaddik from eating before havdalah because the food you're eating is not inherently flawed. No, it's not banana. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Isn't sukkah the rice? Yeah. No, it's the rice. Yeah, but Tosis doesn't feel that's a chilah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Second question. Let's move on. Let, yeah. Second I'm just, I don't understand. When it becomes part of please explain. What okay. becomes part of it? What does that mean? What are you made of? You're made of cells. What creates the cells? The food that you eat. Right? You eat meat. It breaks it down into protein, amino acids. That creates the cells in your body. Right? So, so therefore, by eating and ingesting a davar tame, you are recomposing your body made out of something that is defiled. As opposed to when you just do an Avera, you acted wrong, but you didn't create yourself out of what we call something that is spiritually defiled. Okay? So Matzah is the one opportunity that we have to basically recreate ourselves out of matter, which is a Dover Kadosh. And I would like to suggest, this perhaps is another reason why we have to eat the Matzah B'Teyavon, with an appetite. Why? Because if the purpose of the matzah, according to the Chassam Sofer, is the matzah is what is creating our chios, our life, our whole life force, so the more hungry we are, and the more desire we have to eat the matzah, the more kalach the matzah is giving us, the more chios, the more energy, the more we are recreating ourselves with the matzah. Okay, let us move on very quickly. Let's move on very quickly. Okay, we're going to do a, a, a one, a lamedish segment of the share, but we're going to have to do it very quickly, okay? The Sefer HaChinuch writes 
that the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzchitz Mitzrayim, right? One of the mitzvahs that rice that we have the night of Pesach is Sipur Yitzchitz Mitzrayim, relating the events of Mitzrayim. Says the Sefer HaChinuch, women are obligated in the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzchitz Mitzrayim. Ask the Menchaz Chinuch, why? Why in the world should women be obligated in Sipur Yitzchitz Mitzrayim? It's a mitzvah sasei man and grama. It's governed by time. Women are not chayiv in, in sukkah. They're not chayiv in lulav. They're not chayiv in shofar. Why would they be chayiv in sipur yitzvah time? And it's true they're chayiv in matzah, but that's only because anyone who's not to eat chametz has to eat matzah. But why should women be chayiv in sipur yitzvah time? So you may, you may say, Afheim, how you what? I don't understand what you mean. The woman is... Women are obligated in the midst of Sipur Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Saying the Haggadah. Saying the Haggadah. Saying the Haggadah. And the question is why? question is why? Maybe you'll say... Rabbi Yisai, I'm not going to be able to take questions. We're just going to finish up very quick, okay? The question is why? Why should women be chayev? So you say, well, they also left Mitzrayim. Afheim hayu ba'oso hanes. But if you remember from last week, the concept of afheim hayu ba'oso hanes does not obligate people in mitzvahs to Iraisa, only on mitzvahs to Rabbana. So why would women be chayv in the mitzvah of Sipri Yitzchitz Okay, that's the question of the Menchaz Chinuch. Okay. Let us come momentarily to Hallel, the night of Pesach. Okay? Right, everybody knows we say Hallel, the night of Pesach. Right. There are major problems with the Hallel we say the night of Pesach. Number one, you're not allowed to say Hallel at night. You're not allowed to say Hallel at night. We have a drush, the Gemara Megillah Darshans, Mi Mizrach Hashemesh Ad Mevoyoy Mehulo Shem Hashem. You're only allowed to say halal from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. You're not allowed to say halal at night. So how can we say halal the night of Pesach? Number two, why do we not make a bracha on halal the night of Pesach? It's a mitzvah. The Gemara Darshans it. The Gemara Nerechen Darshans it from Leil Hiskade Shachag. It's a mitzvah to say halal the night of Pesach. Why do we not make a bracha on halal the night of Pesach? Question number three, imagine if you came to Shul on a Rosh Chodesh and in the middle of Halal, a guy comes, he takes out his salami sandwich, he puts ketchup on it, he starts, he puts his pickle on it, he takes out Coca-Cola and he, he starts having a suda in the middle of Halal. Yeah, you kick him out of Shul, what are you doing? But that's what we knew, the, do the night of Pesach. In the middle of Halal, we interrupt the Halal, we have Shulchanach, we set the table and we have a whole big meal. How are we allowed to do that? No other time, of the, any other time of the year, if anyone would do that, that would be the end of him, you know? And the night of Pesach, the, we, we eat in the middle of the halal. And question number four is, we are obligated to say halal standing. Right? Ha'oyim din b'veis Hashem ha'lelois. Right? We're obligated to say halal. A bracha also, no? What? A bracha also halal. A bracha? Yeah, that was right. We asked, why don't we make a bracha? But these are the questions uh, we're asking. Number one, the night of Pesach, how are we allowed to say halal at night? How are we allowed to say halal without a bracha? How are we allowed to eat in the middle of halal? How are we allowed to eat halal, say halal sitting down? Right. The Gemara tells us the following. We know that matzah is called lechem oini. Right? right. Literally the, the bread of poverty, the bread of affliction. Says the Gemara M'sachem, Amar Shmuel, Lechem oini means lechem she'oinim alav dvarim harbe. Bread that you talk about a lot. Bread that you talk about. That's what lechem oini is. Lechem oini is not the poor man's bread. Lechem oini is bread that you talk about. Says Rashi, what are you saying about it? Rashi says two things. 
Hallel, Haggadah. The definition of matzah, says the Gemara, is lechem oini, bread that you talk about. What are you saying, says Rashi, if you look at number 16, bread that you are gomer the halal, and bread that you say the Haggadah over. In other words, what the Gemara seems to be saying is that the definition of matzah is not just food. In order to fulfill the criteria of matzah, you need to talk about the matzah. What do you need to say? Halal, Haggadah. So it comes out, <clears throat> it comes out um, that if somebody would not say Hallel the night of Pesach, not only would he not get the mitzvah of Hallel, he won't get the mitzvah of Matzah either. It comes out if somebody would not say the Haggadah the night of Pesach, not only is he not Mekayim the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhak he's not Mekayim the mitzvah of Matzah because part of the mitzvah of Matzah is the Hallel and is the Haggadah. Ah. So, many Svarim point out, it's brought down in the Sefer Oyrois HaPesach by Rabbi Warman, and others also, we'll see the stipler takes this idea further even, that what we're learning from here is that the mitzvah of Hallel, the night of Pesach, is not a mitzvah of Hallel. The mitzvah of Hallel is part of the mitzvah of Matzah. Right? In other words, if somebody doesn't say Hallel the night of Pesach, he has not fulfilled the mitzvah of matzah. The definition of matzah is bread that you say halal over. But also you're allowed to read Tehillim on Friday night, right? On Shabbos you're allowed to read Tehillim. Even at night. Yeah. Right? Friday night. You're allowed to... to Ashkenazim say oh, the whole year. We say, it. We say Tanakh. So Friday night it's okay to say Tehillim. Friday at night we don't recommend to say Tehillim. It's not... It's not. But Friday night you, you can do it. And uh, Halil, it's uh, all the parts of the, of the No, but as everyone, everyone agrees that uh, even Sfaradim who don't say Tehillim, they agree you could say in Tefillah, you could say even Tehillim, any, any night of the year. Okay, so Halil is part of the mitzvah of, of Matzah. In other words, it comes out, if someone has not said Halil the night of Pesach, he has not fulfilled the mitzvah of Matzah. And therefore, the reason why we're allowed to say Halil at night, even though normally we're not allowed to say Halil at night, the reason why we're allowed to say Halal sitting, even though normally you're not allowed to say Halal sitting. The reason we don't need to make a bracha on Halal, even though we always do. The reason we're allowed to eat in the middle of Halal, even though we're ordinarily not allowed to, is because Halal, the night of Pesach, is not an independent mitzvah. It is part of the mitzvah of matzah. And therefore, the, the laws of Halal do not govern the Halal that we say the night of Pesach. The laws of matzah govern the Halal that we say the night of Pesach. And therefore, right? Okay, so that explains why... The halal that we're saying the night of Pesach is different than halal the rest of the year. It is not governed by the laws of halal. It is governed by the laws of matzah. It's part of the mitzvah of matzah. Additionally, part of the mitzvah of matzah is, like Rashi says, Sipar Yitzhiyas Matzayim, Haggadah. Haggadah. In other words, if someone eats matzah and they don't say the Haggadah, they have not only not fulfilled the mitzvah of Sipar Yitzhiyas Matzayim, they have not fulfilled the mitzvah of matzah either. So it comes out, says the stipler, that the reason why women are chayiv in the midst of Sipar Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is because women are chayiv in matzah. Not because women have an independent obligation to recite the Haggadah. Really, the Minchas Chinuch is right. Women should inherently be pater on Sipar Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim because it is a mitzvah governed by time. And really, women are pater from the mitzvah of Higarit Bincha. Men are obligated in Sipar Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Women would be pater if not for the fact that the Torah obligates men 
women in matzah, and part of the mitzvah of matzah is sipar yitzis mitzrayim. Where do we know that the woman of matzah? Because we have a drasha. Anyone who's not to eat chametz is not to eat matzah. Why do I bring this in? Why do I bring this in? Because we explained based on the chasam sofer. There's only one mitzvah that we have the entire year where we don't just perform the mitzvah, we actually ingest the mitzvah. Where the mitzvah goes into our system, we ingest it, we digest it, and it recomposes our makeup. So based on what we're saying, this is not just bread that we're ingesting. This is lechem oini. What's lechem oini? Lechem oini is bread that you talk about, which means everything that we say the night of Pesach, all the words of Emunah, all the words of Sipur Yitzis Mitzrayim, or the Hallel, all of the events that will relate, all the Emunah and Bitochon that we talk about, is inherently part of the matzah on the table. That's what matzah is. Matzah is lechemoni. Matzah is not just bread. Matzah is bread that you talk about. And everything we say the night of Pesach is part and parcel of the item of matzah. And that all is ingested by us. Right? It's ingest- we, we put it into our system, we digest it, and it makes up who we are. Okay. One more step, okay? One more step. We're going to say one piece over from the Shemishma. Shemishma wants to know, we know Adam HaRishon before the sin, right? What happened when Adam HaRishon sinned? When Adam HaRishon ate from the Yetz Hadas, Chazal tell us the Yetz Sahara went inside of him. The Yetz went into his body. So the Shem Yishmael asks, well, what does that mean? That means before he sinned, he didn't have the Yitzhahara. So if he didn't have the Yitzhahara, so then how did he sin? Right. right? I mean, if by eating from the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara went into him, that means before he ate from the Yitzhahara, he didn't have the Yitzhahara. If he didn't have the Yitzhahara, why would he sin? So the answer is obvious, that he didn't have the Yitzhahara inside of him. He had the Yitzhahara outside of him. As he sinned, the Yitzhahara went into him. Says the Shem Yishmael, where is the Yitzhahara now? It's inside the person, right? Like the Gemara says, What is the, what is the foreign God that we have inside of us? The Yitzhahara. Says the Gemara in Brachos, Where is the Yitzhahara located? Now we've sinned so much that the Yitzhahara not only is inside of us, but it's really near the heart. Says the Shem Yishmuel. The more a person sins the closer the Yitzhahara gets to the inner core of the Jew. In other words, at first the Yitzhahara was completely external. As we sinned, more and more and more the Yitzhahara entered deeper, deeper, deeper into what the inner core of a Jew is. The inner core is the neshama hayechida. The inner core is the, the nekuda haplimis, the inner core of a Jew. Is it possible for the Yitzhahara to enter that inner core? Only if you fall to the 50th level of Tumah. And if that happens, that's the point of no return. And therefore Hashem didn't want that to happen in Mitzrayim. So as Yitzhahar was entering, entering, entering inside, inside the lave of the Jew, Hashem said, Ad kan v'sulo, you cannot enter any further. In other words, as a person sins, he draws the Yitzhahara closer, closer, closer to his inner core. Okay? But Hashem would not allow the Yitzhahara to enter the most inner sanctum of the Jew, and therefore He took us out in time. Says Hashem Yishmuel, which mitzvah did Hashem give us to ensure that the Yitzhahara would not enter the most inner sanctum of the Jew? He gave us the mitzvah of matzah. Now the Hashem Yishmuel explains how the mitzvah of matzah protects us from the Yitzhahara entering the deepest recess of the heart. But we're going to suggest a different approach. Okay, again, what we're saying tonight 
is based on the Chassam Sofer, is that the one mitzvah we have the entire year that we ingest and enters our system and becomes part of us and creates who we are is the matzah. We find in Parshas Vayera, Avraham Avinu says to Malachim, Visadu libchem, satisfy your heart. Right? I'll give you bread. Visadu libchem and satisfy your heart. Says Rashi. In three places, in the Torah, in the Nevi'im, and in the Ksuvim, we find that bread satisfies the heart. In the Chumash, Vesadu Libchem. In the Navi, and in the Ksuvim, right? Velechem Levav Enosh Yisad. Says Rashi. There are three places in Tanakh where we find that bread satisfies the heart. So always bothered by this Rashi. Who cares? But this is such a fundamental principle that bread satisfies the heart, that we need to repeat it in the Chumash, and again in the Navi, and again in the Ksuvah. I mean, who cares whether bread satisfies the heart or doesn't satisfy the heart? But I think what we learn from here is a very important Nakuda, and it's very relevant to what we're saying. Based on the Shem Yishmua, as the Jews were sinking lower and lower and lower in Mitzrayim, what was happening with the Yitzhahara? The Yitzhahara that used to be external on the Jew, used to be on the outside and entered, and now is entering the inner sanctum of the heart and is about to hit the Nekuda Apnimis. The Jew is about to fall to the 50th level of Tumah where the most inner sanctum of the heart is affected. So which mitzvah does God give us? There's only one item that by eating it, it is able to hit the lave of a person. We don't find that Basar is sa'ad halev, satisfies the heart. We only find that by one item. Lechem, bread. Bread is the one item that we find in Tanakh. It's sa'ad as halev. It's able to nourish the heart. Again, the Shem Yishmael is telling us that we were in danger of the Yitzhahara entering the most inner sanctum of the lev. So what does Hashem give us? Hashem gives us the mitzvah of matzah. That is the one mitzvah that we have the entire year. We're, it's not just we perform the mitzvah. The mitzvah, the chefzah shal mitzvah, as the Chassam Sarbah says, enters our body. We ingest it. And it's something that is able to have a positive influence and elevate and uplift even the late High Yisrael. This was the antidote to the matzah in Mitzrayim. This was the antidote to the situation that was happening. And that's why today, even today, as we relive the experience of Mitzrayim, we say, Maschel Begnosu Musayim Bishmach. And the night of Pesach, we're imagining as if we're on the 49th level of Tumah. We've sunk to the lowest level. We have the mitzvah of matzah, the one mitzvah, the Chassam Sofer says, the one mitzvah we have left. We don't have kachim, we don't have meiser, we don't have truma. It's the one time the entire year. We don't just sit in the sukkah. We don't just put on the tefillin. We actually take the chefzah shel mitzvah. We ingest it. It enters our system. It's broken down. And as we eat it, b'teyavon, that's why you have to eat it, b'teyavon, it gives us a new life force. It recreates our entire makeup. And it's brought down in many svarim, the matzah, all the mitzvahs that we have, we do the entire year, is the driving force, is the matzah we eat the night of Pesach. Because it's a one time a year where we're able to recreate our makeup based on the mitzvah. I wish everyone a chayakash of Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. Shkaya.